Hi, Blondie. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Well, I think we should just jump right in and get started because this is, what number is this one that we're going to be talking about? So right now we will be talking about his fifth statement on the cross, I thirst. Okay, so uh, I want to welcome our listening audience to chatting with Sonia and Blondie, where you will find solutions, spiritual and practical, to live your life by. And I am Blondie, and you are? Sonia. Okay. Now, last week, we talked about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so where do you want to go with this one, Sonia? I want to look at John 19, verse 28. Okay. It says this, later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. Mm -hmm. This is the fifth statement that Jesus makes on the cross. Okay. There were at least 20 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled during the 24 hours surrounding our Lord's death. Okay. And the Apostle John links Jesus's I thirst statement to the fulfillment of scripture, highlighting how Old Testament scriptures were fulfilled through Jesus's crucifixion. John wants you to know that everything was happening according to God's plan. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus said, I thirst from the cross, he was quoting a prophecy in Psalm 22 verse 15. My mouth is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. The Apostle John had cited the same psalm earlier regarding the dividing of Jesus' garments uh -huh. among the Roman soldiers. You will find that in John 19, verse 23. So let's look at that phrase, I thirst. It has intrigued many of us since it was first uttered. Mm. And it stands in direct contrast to his other statements on the cross. For instance, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do is a forgiveness. Woman, behold your son, behold your mother, implies the mm. creation of mm -hmm. the Christian community. All right. So, I thirst appears to be different. The focus is not on the father or on the crowd, but on himself as he mm -hmm. hangs on the cross. So let's take it in its context. We can lean towards seeing the pain of the cross as only referring to the nails in Christ's hands and feet. But remember that the cross occurred after he was paraded through the streets and beaten by Roman guards where his skin would have been torn to shreds, resulted in blood loss and loss of fluids. We've seen the movies, but it would have been so much more horrific being there. Mm -hmm. And after this process, procession of humiliation, scourging, and weariness from driving the cross was finished, then nails were pounded into his hands and feet. And to intensify his injuries, he was then erected upon a wooden beam to be mocked and jeered by the people he came to save. Mm. Even worse, 
as Jesus hung on the cross, it was in a position of self-suffocation. His only relief from the physical pressure on his lungs is when he manages to hoist his weight upon his nail-scarred wrists and feet. So Jesus remains hanging on the cross in the burning heat of the noonday sun, blood dripping, kneaded liquid evaporating as sweat for a body trying to cool itself mm. and crucifixion growing increasingly painful. So it is out of this reality of physical exhaustion, exposure, and the physical pain he was feeling that Jesus became severely dehydrated. Okay. Jesus of his own thirst because it is a dire need. Jesus is physically thirsty. He is human. Docetism is a heretical belief mm. that Jesus only appeared to be human. The heresy taught that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, did not experience the suffering of the crucifixion and the cross was a type of divine show. Uh -huh. So Jesus crying out, I thirst. Because thirst is a human sensation, flies in the face of this heresy. The incarnate God, Jesus Christ, was nailed to a cross. Truth matters. Faith teaches us that Jesus entered into the depths of human life. To believe otherwise is to believe that there is something about humanity, about you, about me, that Jesus refused to enter. Mm. Redemption is only found in Christ's full embrace of humanity. Mm. Jesus entered the reality of our pain, suffering, and death, taking the suffering of humankind on himself to be our path to redemption. Nothing in our lives exists outside of Christ's redeeming love. Right. He thirsted, and we know that our thirst can be quenched. Fully human and divine, Jesus had a conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well of Jacob, her ancestor. John 4 gives us a, a snippet of that conversation. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Yes. But whoever drinks the water mm -hmm. I give them never will never thirst. Mm -hmm. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Christ does not have two different and opposing natures. He has one nature, mm. equally human and equally divine. Yeah. He needed water. But <laughs> he is also Jehovah Jireh, the mm. one who provides for our needs and is our eternal spring of living water. Mm. When Jesus requests drink, the, uh, the soldiers offer him wine vinegar. John 19, 29, a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. Wine vinegar was cheap, easy wine for soldiers to buy. Mm -hmm. I was probably diluted with water. Cheap. Oh, <laughs> it was cheap. So contrast this with when Jesus started his ministry. He had turned wine. And the quality of that wine was such that the master of the banquet had declared to the bridegroom, 
everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. <laughs> <laughs> but you have saved the best till now. Mm-hmm. But now, here we are. When Jesus needs pure water to quench his human thirst, he is being forced to drink cheap wine, diluted with water that is bitter to his taste. That is all that man can offer God. We are so lost in sin that we cannot often see the contrast between God's provision and the works of our hands. The works of our hands tends to be cheap and easy unless made fruitful by God. Jesus refused to drink a vinegar, gall, and myrrh, that weird concoction that was offered to him to relieve his suffering. Mm. It says this in Matthew 27, verse 33. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink but when he had tasted it he would not drink mark 15 verse 23 says then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink but he did not taste it and luke 23 says the soldiers also mocked him coming and offering him sour wine and saying if you are the king of the jews save yourself Hmm. This action was a fulfillment of Psalm 69, verse 21, which says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Wow. Fully refused to drink of vinegar, which is cheap wine with gall and myrrh offered to him. Gall is bile secreted by the liver. And biblically, it is used to denote bitterness of spirit. Wow. Read Acts 8, verse mm. 23, as yeah. well as Lamentations 3, verse 19. The irony of their behavior is so striking. Yes. And then myrrh is an aromatic gum used not only to sweeten the smell and taste of various foods, but also used in embalming. And you will see that John 19, verse 39. So Jesus, who offers us wine better than anything we have to offer, was not bitter in spirit. Neither did he need myrrh to deaden his responses to the price of our sin. When the Magi reached the Messiah at two years old, they humbly and respectfully offered him myrrh, a foreshadow of Jesus' eventual sacrifice and burial. Mm-hmm. Myrrh had many good properties, including its use as an ingredient in the holy anointing oil used for consecrating priests, Mm -hmm. the tabernacle, and kings. Jesus is the anointed one of God, the agent of God's redemption and salvation. But because the offers neither believed that he was a priest or the house of God or a king, Jesus refused to acknowledge their sarcastic use of myrrh in their <laughs> concoction. <laughs> myrrh was also used as a powerful anti-inflammatory medication, blocking the inflammatory 
particles that can lead to swelling and pain. Jesus did not want to dull the effects of our weighted sin on his shoulders. He experienced our sin in all its evil dimensions of costly sacrifice. Because Jesus thirsted on the cross, he can quench the deepest longings of our soul. Because Jesus suffered rejection and cruelty, he is able to offer healing for us. Because Jesus died on the cross, he meets us where death presided, transforming it to a place of eternal life. Mm -hmm. Through the mercy of God, Jesus said, I thirst. And we, you and I, are filled. Amen. Amen. Closing comments, Sonia, before we say goodnight. I pray that as you've gone through these different comments, uh, sayings of Jesus on the cross, that it brings a sharp focus on what he went through and makes it personal. The depth of his, his comments were, were preaching that is still relevant today. And I just pray that we can draw closer and have a clearer picture of what he did for us. That, because sometimes I think we can go through the motions and, and lose the depth of meaning of this season of Lent. Mm. So next week, we will look at the last two sayings and I combine them because Jesus will say, it is finished. <laughs> and then he said, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. They're tied to each other because having finished what the father sent him to do, he can now rest in the father's hands. So we will look at the final two saints wrapped up into one next week as we approach the culmination of this journey on Good Friday. Amen. So we just want to thank you for joining us. And that concludes I Thirst. And if you like what you've been hearing, please share it with your friends and family. And until next time, I am Blondie and you are? I am Sonia. And we are signing off. Good night.